Striking while the iron's hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast, a podcast for New Mexico soccer supporters by supporters, bringing you the latest end-to-end coverage on New Mexico United and New Mexico college women's soccer. I'm your host, Chris Walker, and joining me are co-hosts, Veronica Zavala and Patrick Baca. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing pretty good. All right, and, uh, Veronica, I understand you're coming uh, to us live from the studio. Tonight is band night over at the house. Um, they laying down any dope tracks over there or what? What's going on? I am. They're, they're working on a, a gig that's coming up next month, so it's pretty pretty busy on our end over here. Nice. And in case, at least listeners, in case you don't know, Veronica also does the audio engineering uh, for the podcast. So uh, not only is she in a house full of band members, but, you know, she's the one doing, like, the ones and twos for us. So, uh, you know, just give her a shout when you're like leaving those reviews. Uh, Patrick, we got you over there. I understand there's a little bit of that, that train thing going on over there. Uh, is this from the team down South still letting us know that they're in our heads or what? Uh, unfortunately, now that you brought it up, I was trying to negate that sound completely out of my head. <laughs> I mean, you know, like it, it's, it's haunting us, right? Yeah. Like, it's, 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 I'm it's pretty a, sure. I'm pretty sure. Every time I see a train, I have to um, <laughs> must, uh, what is it? Uh, subtly say some words under my breath. Right, right. You gotta <laughs> let them know exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you gotta, you gotta let it out. <laughs> yeah. Frustration. I, I actually flipped <laughs> off the train today. <laughs> That's what I'm talking no, about. No lie. Like it went by me, and I just went. Right, and see, over here, for me, um, you might hear the subtle sounds of a, a computer, like uh, the fan, man. Like, uh, my, So we'll just say this. My other laptop, it, uh, it definitely needs a new fan, and it is kind of surging on and off at moments. So you might hear that in the background. You might hear my refrigerator going off because, you know, it's telling me I need to get a snack. So probably do, but... We're gonna wait. We're gonna go past that. So, do you guys do anything fun for Labor Day weekend? Sleep. Ah, yeah. Somebody did. <laughs> Somebody did. Uh, that's awesome. I love it. I mean, it is really great. We're that's great. Welcome to my house, guys. Welcome to my. House. I mean, I feel like we might have to get like. Um, a guest a cameo. From one, I know. A guest, guest cameo for one of your brothers. I don't know. What is my? I I was thinking a little um, a little taste of what's coming in that gig. You know, a little one two right. minute, right? Right. You. I think I think okay. Veronica's just gonna have to uh, let the listeners hear a little bit. Mm. Nice. So check it out. Um, Labor Day weekend came. Long weekend for us, right? Obviously, you know, we might have been still thinking a little bit about the match that was played with El Paso, you know, the things that we thought were good, weren't so good. Also, 
You know, there was a lot of college soccer, and we're going to get into both um, as we go. Uh, for me, I'd say the only thing I really did over, over the weekend is probably just catch up on my soccer as much as possible, um, you know, try to sleep in. I'm sure we all kind of wanted to do that a little bit. And, uh, you know, I guess just think about the next thing's coming. Yeah. Uh, I was up bright and early Saturday for a game. Um, and then um, college football's back, so I got to watch some college football for the weekend, and that was that was nice, too. Okay, so let's let's two things then. Okay. First of all, how'd the game go? You got everyone, you got to know that Patrick's also a coach. So, how'd the game go, Patrick? Uh, we won. We won. Okay. Well, Congrats. Thank all you. Right, to, all right. We're sitting at, uh, we lost to uh, Carlsbad last night, but um, we're sitting at five and three right now. So, it's not okay. a good spot. It's not a good spot. Right on. And then college football, man. This is always the, it's always <laughs> a touchy one. Uh, who, who, who are you supporting? What games did you watch? So, normally, normally still have to go for my alma mater. Um, still got to go for the Aggies, despite how terrible they may play. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm a big Florida State fan, so oh. uh, I got to watch the most epic game of the weekend on Sunday, that Florida State and LSU game. Fun game to watch. Not yeah, fun for me, fun for people to watch me have a, a mental breakdown. So That one came down to the wire, right? I mean, I understand there yes. was a block field goal. Yes, two block field goals, actually, but the block field goal to end the game, yes. Dang. See, now I'm an Alabama fan, so, you know, you don't want to hear from me because, <laughs> you know, we just we, – I know we're not playing anyone, right? So, but it, it is what it is, but, you know, so. Um, yeah, so that's that's fun. So let's kind of – let's open the show up a little bit here. Um, I do want to give a shout-out to Carl, our listener from Georgia. Um, definitely want to give – Maybe a shout out to uh, to folks down in the in the or I guess in the Portales area, I'd say uh, that's Eastern New Mexico, correct? Yes. So sure. definitely want to give a shout out to them. Uh, definitely want to give a shout out uh, to folks down in uh, Las Cruces, um, as well as folks in Las Vegas, and uh, of course, got to get the Albuquerque folks. So shout out to everyone here. Um, let's open up this episode a little bit. Uh, we have just. One thing that kind of pops up for USL news, I guess two things you can say, but one thing for sure, uh, a little bit of a cryptic message still for City of Irvine uh, mm-hmm. saying that they couldn't guarantee Orange County SC would be in Championship Stadium for 2023. So if you remember, like back in August, they had, you know, a, a, a city council meeting and 400 fans, supporters, sponsors and such showed up to really kind of put a voice out for the club and let them know, yo, we want to keep our home. And, you know, it was such a positive showing. Not only did city of Irvine take it off of the uh, agenda at first, right. To kind of keep things kind of super low key, but now, you know, the, uh, the manager over there, uh, I think his name is Oliver Chai um, Mm. or Oliver Chi. He's like, he just kind of threw out like a one-liner, like can't guarantee you you guys are going to be in the stadium. And uh, so now they have another, uh, council meeting coming up on the 13th so next tuesday and uh i think the same thing orange county is asking their supporters and such to come out again and uh you know so it looks like this is going to be like just kind of an ongoing thing uh battling one city of irvine too like you know uh, of course the uh the the other league right mls um 
So this is this is getting a little interesting, you know. And uh, I think pretty soon Orange County and Los Dos are playing at Championship Stadium. So do you think that mm-hmm. like, do you think that we're likely to see like City of Irvine pop up or important folks in the LA Galaxy like organization being there to kind of really just envision and try to sell what this could be? And I think that goes back to like our stadium talks from like last year, right? Like. The idea is that you really want people to bank in on an idea. So I would hope that, you know, they they show out and shell out numbers, right? Bring the bus loads. Right, because, I mean, on one hand, you've got Orange County going, hey, this is our home. We just want a championship. We're, we're selling out this game, and we're selling out games, right? Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, you got... LA Galaxy's organization and AEG rolling up, being like, hey, let's pack this venue and let's, you know, let's show City of Irvine what it could be, right? And you're and that's it's just really crazy. It's like, you know, to me, like my vantage point on it is like, yo, Los Dos, you guys had the high you have that little stadium next to Dignity Health. And I and look, I've been there. It's literally like one side one side of a bleacher. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a rundown version of UNM soccer complex. It's probably the best way I can put that. Right? Like UNM soccer complex is great, but Dignity Health Sports Part 2 is like not even touching it. So to me, I feel like Los Dos got to like LA Galaxy's got to figure it out somewhere else. Like they need to figure out something else in Carson. Like they keep coming in, mm-hmm. and uh, and so this thing is is heating up. Like I'm real interested to see what the turnout is. I just want I just want to kind of like toss that to y'all as far as what you guys maybe are thinking about it too. Yeah, I mean definitely. Um, it's kind of like it's kind of like almost like the the big MLS just kind of like jumping and taking over the little guys. You know, it's like there's so many other venues that they could have very like easy access to that they're not taking advantage of so it's kind of like what is their their goal in going all the way down to Irvine you know to to take over a complex um when honestly like OC has done more in terms of you know USL soccer than you know honestly than Galaxy has for for a minute you know so well let me frame it like this for you Veronica you go to that stadium to get the really good hot dogs they have what if all of a sudden Los Dos is in that stadium and they're not selling hot dogs anymore. (laughs) I know. And I mean, they, that, no, that hot, I've I've been telling Chris that hot dog is a legit hot dog. And that would be, (laughs) I would never set foot in that stadium if that happened. Even if that hot dog was still there. Just saying. (laughs) They'd be serving mozzarella sticks instead. (laughs) (laughs) And wasn't the, the big, the big argument too, is that how much of, how much of this is like, truly a Los Dos versus Orange County thing more to than a USL versus MLS thing. Yeah, totally. Like it's right? fully like, like an MLS encroachment thing. It's like, like a monopoly almost, you know? It, well, I mean, I I don't want to speak for everybody, right? But <clears throat> regulation and promotion, anybody? Oh like if, yeah. Seriously. Like, yeah. Like seriously. If, if that's, if that's what we're, if that's, because that's just, but you're right, Veronica. It's a monopolization of where we're at. Call it, call it what it is. Call, yeah, it's call a spade um, a spade, right? 
right. I mean, I mean, look, I made I made this comparison. Like, I'm a Clippers fan, and I am like I'm so happy that they got out of the Staples Center. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like both teams sharing a thing, like That's you got to cover up the championship banners. And I look, I'm not salty. I understand we're not covering up any Clippers championship banners. Okay, like <laughs> what Clippers it. championship like, banners? We're really just yeah. We're really just <laughs> we're really just only covering up the Lakers stuff every time the Clippers play. I get it, right? But we want our own place. You know, we want to hang up other stuff. You know, it's like. Um... You know who does that, like, uh, MetLife Stadium with the Jets and the Giants? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that thing that they do, That how they transition for home games for teams? No, well, tell me about mm-hmm. it. It's essentially everything in MetLife Stadium that has a banner for the team is essentially it's reversible. So it's two-sided. So all they mm-hmm. do is, like, mm-hmm. rotate the thing like it's, like, a like the dollar menu at McDonald's, and they just roll it around for game day so when it's the jets yeah. they flip everything to green and then when it's the giants they flip everything to blue see i'm telling you in clippers all they do is turn the lights off see i wouldn't have an issue with that if it was mls to mls but i think where a lot of people draw the line is that this is mls versus usl and that's where it feels kind of well and what's worse about that patrick is could you imagine if if let's just say Orange County and Losto share the stadium. Like, you don't get some, you don't get some. Y'all got to share it. Boom, right down the middle, Boom. right. So they're sharing it. Okay, let's just let's just explore this for a moment. So they share the stadium. Okay. Well, I would hope that Orange County makes the stadium look dope. Like, put that championship stuff everywhere, right? Because mm-hmm. if you don't take care, if you don't take advantage of all that space. Then, I mean, when Los Dos comes in, like, it's going to be, like, Landon Donovan <laughs> statues and right. Beckham statues. Like, <laughs> right in the middle of the field, right at the, right at the kickoff. They're going to move yeah. the statue over to yeah. the Orange County. <laughs> All of a sudden, the turf, or I'm sorry, the pitch is going to be up for discussion. Mm-hmm. Oh, we want to play on turf. No, no, we want to play on grass, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going to wind up with some field like Oakland. Half turf, half grass. Right, where it's like, the oh, no. it's gonna be like oakland's pitch you know that one where it's like fruit by the striped gum where it's just <laughs> like you get lost every 10 yards i'm just saying oh, like no. they you don't that, that's to gonna be a nightmare grass. situation yeah that'd be a nightmare situation like i th- i think the biggest issue that holds orange county now too is kind of well, like we can also put that into like into play right is how they're performing this year like yeah you won a championship last year but your bottom of the table this year yeah it doesn't help it doesn't that doesn't help your that doesn't help your fight either right Mm -hmm. like oh what's your attendance this year oh it sucks yeah okay like you know what i'm saying like right now i mean i i get i get emails from orange county all the time for like they'll literally knock tickets down to like 12 dollars a ticket and those are are those are for like some pretty decent seats too so i mean Right, it's and, a beautiful stadium, though, and I mean, right, and don't and and you know, and don't miss the sentiment. The sentiment is like, man, I'm sorry that you're that you're coming up against like what seems like, you know, uh, the best way we can look at it is like, okay, your apartment complex is about to get bulldozed by someone putting a shopping mall up. Like, you know, the, <laughs> the sentiment is like, man, we hope that you guys get to keep your home out there in Orange County. And this mm-hmm. obviously is important for us here in New Mexico to be looking at this because, 
yeah, it may not be another major team stopping us from having a stadium right now, but it might be like other things that vie for that, right? They're already talking about putting up a multi-level indoor karting and Mario Andretti go-karting here, which is cool, but like literally they're going to put it right next to Topgolf across the street from main event. And main event was the thing when it came in. The main event's about to be like, I don't know, like the, the next event, you know, it's about to turn into <laughs> it's about to turn into what um what empty warehouses turn into in Halloween, the next spirit store. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's, it's just you know, and so that stuff matters, right? I need so, to start writing your puns down. <laughs> you life, pun those are so good. Life life I'm just living this life, right? And so uh but I mean, you know, it's important, but I, I just think that if we really walk down the road, if they split the stadium in half, it is just they better play each other still. I know Los Dos wants to go to MLS next or whatever the deal is. They're going to take these two teams out of the league. So that's even worse. There's no relationship. There's no affiliation with like Orange County and like Galaxy. I would hope if anything, like if if I were LF, LAFC, I would like literally be like, hey, Orange County want to be partners like i would totally do that just because just despite someone lafc county partnership i mean i know they got vegas but i mean look really it should be orange county if if they're really thinking about it right that's what they should do but if you if you're gonna hand out money i suppose right exactly if yeah if you're gonna hand out money if you're gonna hand out money I, i mean i should say if you're orange county and you're saying well yeah i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna give us the money so that we could be partners, then yeah, sure, I guess. But. Right, or give us some <laughs> players, or like you know something along those lines. But to me, LAFC getting involved really would just have to be just a you know someone have to be like stupid just trying to get involved with it. You know what I mean? Like, right. It just it is what it is. But you know, I feel like there's a meme coming on. There probably is. There like, probably is. I think. Uh, yeah, I think. You know what it is? Poor Adam Banks lives across the pond, and uh, he would have been a duck. <laughs> Just, you know, so there it is. Um, so hey, let's 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 switch it up here a little bit. Let's jump into the Open Cup. We obviously waited to. Um, we we knew we were going to record tonight, the same night as the Open Cup. Got to give a, a congrats to Orlando City SC getting a piece of hardware that is. Obviously, a very big accomplishment for them. So um, first, no, right? Their first trophy. Their first, their first one. Yeah, their first mm-hmm. one. So that's huge. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Um, seeing Sacramento was in it. Look, they were in it for 70 minutes, and we're gonna talk about mm-hmm. our reactions. But they were in it for 70 minutes, and when the goals started coming in, I'm not gonna lie. I literally thought about Minnesota United in New Mexico, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh man. Like just just a, just a tear kind of came down my eye, and I was like, I feel for you on goals two and three because those were like, like there was no coming back from goal two and three was like, come on, bro, like, are we about to see six and seven? Like, what is going on right now? But just want to get y'all's initial reaction to the game if y'all caught it, what you thought? I thought it was like. They were they were like in this massive like tug of war. Like Sacktown definitely put up like this epic fight 
like they could they were they were both like had a couple of you know um goals that they that they were both trying to to get in and and like that illusional like did that goal go in but it didn't go in happened twice um in the first half right and um that was the second half that was the first half first half and um so it was kind of like it created a lot of excitement in the crowd because everybody was like like oh and i was like oh and um so i mean it was it was definitely like a fun match to watch because they were just neither team could could like penetrate the opposition you know i uh, uh, yeah well and even then i was like wow this it was a really good game i thought it was a fantastic game and then it just takes it just takes that one little mistake right and then then the then the rest of usl twitter comes crashing down <laughs> into a fiery ball. Uh, right. I, uh, the first goal went in, and I was like, I'm not going to check Twitter. There's no way there's anything good being said right now. But, you know, honestly, though, I mean, look, 70 minutes, though, like, and, and you know, the one thing that was really cool to me, and I mean, and I, I put it here, was like Mark Briggs' decision to leave his lineup in and try to force Oscar Perea to, like, change, like, what he had going for Orlando, like, Okay, look, I thought it was big, right? That was a big move, right? Uh, what What did you think, Patrick? What did you think? Like, hey, I'm holding my binoculars up right now. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, big move and gutsy. Gutsy. Mm. I really liked the idea. Like, he was just like, yeah. Like, you know, we already know the memes, right? The spying and stuff and <laughs> And, and whatnot that it was more of like all right you, i mean if you know like if you know then let's see what you're gonna do about it and to battle for 70 minutes good on him right yeah i mean like 70 minutes and, and i'm thinking okay okay let's just explore the what ifs right like we've all watched the what ifs on marvel right so let's check it out what if Mark Briggs made substitutions earlier than Orlando. Would they have scored because they had fresh legs? Would it have taken away from what was his best 11? Like, do you, I'm sure he went in there with like, this is the best 11. And I don't, maybe or maybe not, was there going to be someone coming off the bench to do something? I think one of those things that's like, one of those decisions, like, right, yeah, I'm going to leave in my best 11, and I'm probably telling them, like, you might have to suck it up for 90 minutes because this you guys are not that – not that you don't trust any of those guys on the bench, but like you said, this is, this is the 11 that's going to win, and we need to just rally behind that idea. But um, if there's changes, I think there's changes at the midfield – um, and getting some fresh legs in, um, and um, when it comes in, I would have probably said maybe 60, 70 minutes in is when you're making that change. Okay. I, f- I feel like the way he was going was he was like, okay, we're taking this lineup to 90 because he probably thought at the very worst it was 1-1, but minimally, this was going 120 minutes. That's, I was going to say, I think he was prepping for, for 120 minutes 
You guys, right. you guys might have to tough it for 120 minutes, not just 90. Right. Well, and we know that they got like Roro, like uh, Rodrigo uh, Rodriguez, right? Uh, and we know that like that guy like put some miles on his legs. I mean, United certainly has like felt the raft of of Roro too, one of the older guys to be still scoring goals in the league. And, um, yeah, I just, when I saw that, I was like, man, this guy was definitely trying to go the full 90 with this lineup. And he almost got there. Like, he only had 20 minutes and some stoppage to go. But you also saw things building up in the match. Like, someone was about to score. And I didn't really think it was Sacramento, to be honest. I definitely felt like it was Orlando knocking on the door as much as they were, like, playing in that half the whole time. And I think if you're Orlando, you're sitting there. If you're if you're Pareda, right, you're sitting there saying, I don't know if it was control of the game, but there was better opportunities for Orlando, because it like like Veronica was saying, it felt pretty like tug and war. It felt like Sacramento had chances, right? But I mm-hmm. think Orlando's opportunities were just oh, more yeah. impact. They're more impactful, impactful opportunities. Like you get a shot off. And one skids past, right? Just barely. Or we get a nice a nice touch onto it and push it away. And that alone can change the dynamic, right? Like you're if you're Pareto, you're saying, Okay, we're seventy minutes in, or we're sixty five minutes in, seventy minutes in. At this point it looks like it's all it's gonna take is one. And so we look like we're the better ones to get that one. So and it, it did look like it was just they were just going to score the one and just park it, right? Like, I yeah. thought mm-hmm. maybe that was the way to go. But they wanted to give their supporters goals. And, I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. The first half of this one, I was like, this is a snooze fest. This is boring. Like, I'm actually going to have to probably not watch this because that first half just reminds me of, and I'll just draw draw parallel to my favorite teams, like, when I'm watching Alabama and they're kind of in a gridlock with like another team like Georgia and it's like really like I'm we're really not we're like tied too much. I'm like, oh man, this is this is not the way I envisioned the night to go, right? But like, mm-hmm. you know, after half and you know, they interviewed Perea and they were like, Oh, what are you gonna do second half? He's like, Oh, you'll just have to wait and see. And I was like, Boom, bust out the binox, because we definitely know Spygate uh, is. You think is... <laughs> you think you guys don't know? I know, but I know is what Prado was saying. <laughs> right, and I was like, you know, and 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 for the listeners, uh, there was a few memes. If you're not on Twitter, oh man, we're. I think I'll have to figure out. I'll probably have to also sh- like clip them and share them to Instagram. Um, I know mm-hmm. I've been lagging on posting a couple of posts to Instagram. Don't worry, listeners, you're gonna get them. But uh, the memes that we should that we'll just barely talk about here there was an austin powers one, right because he's the international spy i loved uh, that one it was like the orlando city crest as his head and of course the (laughs) open cup trophy like in his hands and then there was another one which was like someone was just so clever and put like binoculars on the lion (laughs) the other one the other one that cracked me up was the and it was so it's just so subtle and so good it was the open cup trophy but instead of the handles it was like security cameras like pointing out 
Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That well, you know what's crazy about that is it seemed like whoever made that, like I looked at it, I was like, man, is this like a Photoshop image? Like, how did they get this so fast? Because it literally was like the next day. So like, it makes you wonder. Like, if someone like literally was like, mm, let me go home. I just got all this construction paper from a from a project I didn't use it for, and just basically made their crest and had it like literally like so good like you know yeah i, I just found that meme that's that's hilarious yeah you know yeah, it's, it's good but you gotta love it and i bet you there's probably so many more memes to come like i just we'll we'll have to see if we can reel in any more and, and make a nice little post from it but uh i mean here's the other thing too right sacramento battling this mls club like years after the investors like pulled out remember because sacramento was supposed to be an mls club I think they were supposed to go either uh, two years ago, maybe. I think that was about the time. And, I think uh, it was. I think it was pre-COVID. Right, pre-COVID, and uh, they're supposed to go into the MLS. Of course, investors like popped out, and then they were stuck. But I mean, they were signing players of the caliber to get ready and everything like that. And uh, and so I'm thinking to myself, like, how good does it feel for a Sacramento organization to say, "Hey, look, you know." we can play at this level with this club. We are hanging in here. We've already beat these other clubs in the, in the dust and we should have been MLS. Like, do you think that the powers that be and the, and the figureheads in the room go, mm, you know, uh, we could be MLS. We should be MLS. Mm, what do you guys think? Like, do you think that they would like try to spark the talks or do you think that ship is sailed? I think that sparks the talks because it, it feels like there's what, like maybe three or four teams that sit in that limbo land of where <clears throat> promotion relegation um, uh, sh should fit in, right? Like we're right. looking at like Lou City and maybe Tampa and even Sacramento. You know, we're looking at some of these teams that you're like, maybe these guys can compete. Like the team that always um, – but you always uh, think about always, FC Cincinnati, though. That's exact. I was gonna say it always brings up FC Cincinnati, and I will take every time to rag on Cincinnati. <laughs> Sorry to anybody that's from Cincinnati. I'm a big Pittsburgh fan, so. Hey man, um, <laughs> love that skyline, chili. Yeah, you sure Cincinnati? <laughs> 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 um, but like, look at what happened with Cincinnati when they entered the league. The first what two years bottom yeah. of the table both years seriously just cracking barely into double digit points I barely cracking into a, a goal differential of like negative five hundred I don't know um, look at even Oakland coming into the USL like yeah. they were dope in Nisa and then all of a sudden they came in and like nothing right like just I mean they came back and did something remarkably but you know to your point teams coming in and like they just kind of just drop you know yeah i'd like to see i'd like to see um i would like to believe that if sacramento was uh mls i'd like to believe that they would have gotten the right funding and they would be in the right spot maybe not i'm not saying mid-table but they would be in a position where um better than that cincinnati Right, I, yeah. I think they would have just looked better than Cincinnati. Yeah, I could have did, did to when Cincinnati came into league. I think Cincinnati's doing a lot better than the MLS now. I think they've settled in true fashion of being a middle-of-the-pack team. Yeah, right on. 
Um, so then the last thing is Sacramento has managed to keep their fourth place position in the USL, right? And I, I say this because, you know, when United was doing the Open Cup, mm-hmm. like, it was clear at some point that we were trying to go far in the Open Cup and then our USL League status uh, standing on the tables was sliding. We weren't able to maintain both. I will maybe put an asterisk on this and say I also think part of Sacramento staying in fourth position, partly due to results, but I think also partly due to like results above and below them, right? If we're being honest, because I mean, Colorado was looking real good and then they started losing matches. Loyal was like, San Diego Loyal was like winning some matches, losing some key matches. You know what I'm saying? So, like, but they were winning at the right times. And then New Mexico and everything, everyone underneath was also losing matches to keep the table pretty consistent. You know what I'm saying? I think, like, I don't know. I had to go back and look at their last couple of games because I wasn't looking at. I hadn't looked at Sacramento's last couple of games. But I think to your point, like the the one that the ones that they lose, um, Monterey, Vegas, lose City. Yeah. Maybe you probably shouldn't be losing to Monterey or Vegas, but um, I think it had more to do with earlier in the season. Um, really building that um, that I don't want to say comfort, but building that comfort because you know if you are getting into so like you can go across the pond and look at some of those teams that are uh, we can look at domestic cups, right? Um, you've built a pretty good standing for yourself. You pick up six points where you're supposed to pick up six points, and then okay, I can rest some of my key legs in a in a in a cup match against tier five, somebody, somebody United, you know? Well, do you also think that this year's version of the open cup was a little bit more relaxed than like two years or sorry, than like year, the like three years ago? Because I mean, if you remember the open cup, it seemed like there were matches happening in between league matches. Like the schedule Mm -hmm. was real congested. Like things were just so smack in the middle, and you know, and 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 I, I feel like that's what we had. We had three matches in ten days situations too often because it seemed like it was happening. It was too frequent. pretty frequent, yeah. yeah. You know, and I guess maybe that's just when you're in it, right? Like we haven't obviously we left the tournament a long time ago <laughs> so <laughs> maybe our schedule is so relaxed that i've forgotten what it's like to be in open cup status but uh nonetheless when, um, when did we um when did we drop out of open cup status we got to what was it though was it the uh i'm gonna i'm I'm looking. <laughs> no, no, go so ahead and do that. Too, I feel but... like it was the round of eight that we got to. I feel like that was where we got to. Huh. Because I remember we were playing Minnesota United, and I thought to myself, hmm, I hope LAFC wins because I'd really love to see New Mexico versus LAFC. And I feel like that would have been the round of four at that point. I'm on it, don't worry. <laughs> All right. Well, 
while while Patrick is looking it up, um, Veronica, any other like last uh, thoughts about the Open Cup? Um, I surely hope that um, that it fires up the technical staff for New Mexico and that they really do think about, hey, like this is something that we should still go for. Um, they were saying on the broadcast, I mean, the next Open Cup starts in 10 days, like literally like the real amateur round starts. So, uh, you know, just any final thoughts that you have about Open Cup? I mean, it was totally cool to see. I, even though, you know, Sacramento does have that that history with almost being MLS, they are, they are still in USL territory. Um, I saw kind of like the feedback of the people out of Sacramento, right? And like, I think they said like, 5,000 supporters showed out to um, to go watch it, I think downtown or something like that. And uh, so they were really rooting and everybody was really proud that like, um, you know, they were going up against an MLS team and, you know, it, it did take like over 70 minutes for them to score on them. So, you know, uh, bravo to, to Sacramento as well, you know, for, for holding up that fort, you know. Right. Patrick has come back from his deep dive. What'd you find? Uh, third round, two-one loss to Phoenix. Oh well, the latest wow. one. But we're I was I, oh I was, oh against against Minnesota. Yeah, it was round of eight. Okay, okay, that's what I was thinking. All right, cool. Well, guys, that that was definitely going to wrap up our open cup chat. We're going to hit a break, and then when we return. We're going to get into the Enchanted Eleven. back now from the break uh last week we announced our new show uh covering new mexico women's college soccer uh again welcome to the enchanted 11 we're currently working on getting a new logo for that show as well as uh some awesome theme music and an intro so um you know thank you for for riding with us uh you know as we grow this organically uh from the ground pretty much and uh, so this week, we're going to talk, obviously, about uh, what happened in New Mexico women's college soccer. Uh, we're going to start off uh, talking about, um, actually, New Mexico State. 
uh, we're gonna I'm gonna switch it up a little bit. Uh, we got our guy here who's down in Las Cruces. Patrick, go ahead and chat. What what did you see uh, in this uh, these weeks or last week's New Mexico State matches? I do understand that there was like a stellar performance from the team uh, in both games, and I think in both games uh, the Aggies um, really showed. Uh, I was watching the um, WAC pre. I had to go back and look at the WAC preseason um, uh, rankings, or, yeah. prediction rankings. And uh, they had the Aggies finishing at third, um, right behind uh, Grand Canyon, and I believe it was Seattle. Um, but um, I think these two games really showed why um, why the Aggies were picked to be number three after really finishing towards the bottom of, of the WAC standings in the last couple of years. But uh, to be put in the third with the amount of effort, uh, the amount of work and the kind of the uh, recruiting that uh, Bart's has done. Um, I think this these two games were products of, of those games. Um, that uh, UTEP game, hmm, amazing. <laughs> um, I mean, just, it, I just I love beating up. Yeah, I just love beating up the miners. It's totally okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that game was just – it was honestly um, – I think better than the Portland performance, uh, but uh, they really l- settled in to the midfield and controlled a lot of the midfield game uh, and uh, uh, really opened the account kind of kind of towards the middle of the game and really settled in. And uh, like I said, they showed r- the reason why they would be the, the whack, one of the whack favorites. And um, I think well, Grand Canyon still holds that spot pretty well. And, um, so it'll be interesting when, when the WAC games start picking up, uh, coming around the corner. So. Yeah, some things that were interesting, too, along the lines. Um, we had been talking about freshman Sydney Johnson, and so she actually opened up her scoring account right in the Portland Portland game, uh, finding her, her first goal. And it was a nice one, too. I went back because um, I, you know, and watched and watched the uh, the goal has, I was scored, and it was like, Man, I mean, we saw one her speed, right? And we saw obviously her get into a good dangerous space, and she put a nice goal on the net. I mean, literally, it was like upper ninety. It looked good. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent. Um, I believe she scored against Zutip. You might be right on that. Wait, nope, it was Portland State. It was Portland. Uh, okay. Yeah, but I mean. You know, I mean, look, there were there were six goals scored between two games. So, like, you know, like, cert- certainly I could see, like, the other thing I was going to say, too, is, like, it's like you're clearly knowing, like, who are the leaders on the team, right? Because you're looking and you're like, okay, Bianca Chacon scored again. And Loman McNeese scored again. Yeah. Right? And and then, of course, you got, you got players like, um, I can't. Is it Zitali? Is that how? I, I think that's how they pronounce it on the broadcast. Right. So they usually just say Z for for Z, short. Yeah. So Z Hernandez, Tanya Tapia, and Sophia Beerworth also opening up their scoring on the team sheet. You know, it was certainly uh, I think a, I think two score lines of epic proportion, as they would say. McKenna Gottschalk getting defensive honors only. 
recording five saves through two games, which lets me know really right that they really did do a great job um, disrupting the game plans for both UTEP and Portland State, right? I think um, I think they did a great job defensively, finally settling into the scheme that they wanted to. Um, more so, you could see it when they, they had the idea when they were playing um, the other Aggies, right? When they were playing A and M, right? And uh, it just kind of seemed that they kind of got outmatched in that sense. That's what we had talked about last week. Is that you know it just seemed like A and M was just a little bit more um, physical, like right. just physically prepared, right? And it just seemed like this time around that the the better Aggies were, <laughs> were, uh, were, were that, were that, uh, were in that position. Right. And, and then, um, uh, Bart's the head coach had said after the game that, uh, he was really proud of the way that the defense stepped up and that they finally kind of solidified that, um, that defensive line. They, I think he even said that they asked, well, who is going to be your player of the game? And he said that whole defensive line, uh, the back four, um, all of them stepped up right and i think a lot of the that defensive player of the uh for the whack week defensive player of the week for the whack um really can be attributed to to the defense that stepped up because uh they only allowed two shots against utep in the first half so now it just tells you either that was pure control from if you didn't watch the game is that tells you one of two things either pure control or um, the offense from UTEP couldn't get anything going. So, Well, and you know what's crazy is I, I always – I say this to Veronica too. It's like they really should track defensive stats like in soccer. Like some – like they just the bare things, like clearances, tackles. Like they really should be doing that because so much of that is like happening in the back and all you – all you, you know, like to just only come away with goals, assists, shots, you know. And I understand like it'd be – for a statistician, it'd be crazy, but – you know, they need to give a couple more internships, right? <laughs> um, pay, somebody, pay somebody a little extra. Right, like, hey, I just want you to tell me tackles, clearances, slides, like, you know, tackles, clearances, blocks, like, just, you know, those things. Um, you know what's interesting about this, too, Patrick, is, like, usually when a team loads up these really tough matches on their schedule, obviously they're trying to see, like, how well can we run with these these like next level or top tier type of sort of talents, right? And it kind of makes me think about um I'll go gym room gym room analogy. Like it's like putting like ankle weights on and doing like all the like lower body exercise you want to do, right? Like obviously like there's some adversity there and you're building strength, right? But at some point like you're either gonna do one of two things. Like you're either gonna have like amazing like like leg strength without the the ankle weights on or you're going to be able to actually like push through the ankle weights you know to the point where you graduate and i feel like with the aggies having these two three nail wins on utep and portland state at least for what it looks like on paper that maybe they're already finding their strength on these opponents before they really settle in to like the rest of their schedule, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes, it makes plenty of sense. Cause if, I mean, if you look at things, um, 
from all all kinds of sports perspectives, even at the high school level, right? Like you get these non-conference games, these non-district games, these non-division games, whatever you want to call them, right? Um, really to work out your kinks and really figure out how your dynamics going to work, and then try to establish that game plan when it comes to um, that that time where. Not to say that these games don't matter, but when the games are tougher, because I think we can all admit that playing somebody, um, I mean, to just go back to like you know, you're, you're Alabama, right? Playing in the SEC is a lot different than playing somebody from the Big Ten. And and so it, the game game dynamics change. So I think for them to really kind of um, get, get these wins and especially good defensive um, midfield control, um, you brought up uh, Chacon, right? Chacon was, uh, I think she picked up an, one or two assists in those two games along with a goal. So um, stepping up as a lead, you're finding your leaders, you're finding your playmakers, and I think um, that gives you a lot of good evidence moving forward, uh, especially because um, the Aggies will open up whack play in about, in about five days now on Sunday. So... Um, so we'll see. We'll see what it looks like on in whack play and how these games change and um, if Bart's is gonna sit there and say, "Yeah, I'm gonna go with my 11 that are truly gonna win us games," or or who's gonna be that next one that steps in. Right. Next up for the Aggies, they've got Nevada. Um, so that'll be the next match that they've got. Um, jumping into uh, New Mexico Lobos. Um, Man, I'm not going to lie. These matches are a little bit of a blur to me only because we've watched so much soccer. But, like, just quick two results. Portland State on Thursday, Lobos in a 1-1 draw. Um, on Sunday, Grand Canyon, U, Lobos in a 1-2 loss. Um, kind of a heartbreaker there. Interesting scenes on the Portland State game. I will say that um, it was nice to see with Portland State the Lobos find another player that got into the scoreline. Um, like uh, Natalie DeGagne, I believe that is, yeah, she ultimately uh, knocked in a cross from Carly Mays. Now, Carly Mays, you know, if you don't watch a lot of Lobo soccer, um, just defensive stalwart as far as being in the back line, just, you know, one to definitely put the grass snap on any forwards that are coming in. Um, she's, she played forward in high school. So no surprise that one, she has a uh, good shot precision and, you know, can actually go end to end, but, you know, in this match, you know, Lobos were trailing uh, or I'm sorry, they took the lead is what it was in this one. They were up one nil um, Carly Mays gets up into the, the other half, obviously, into uh, Portland State's, puts a cross on, which uh, DeGagney was able to ultimately connect with. And, man, just forget everything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I'm going to start that over, Veronica. You just edit that part out. So, you, you, because I totally was reading my notes wrong. Um, UNM took like a 1-0 lead uh, in the 73rd minute. So Lobos went 73 with Portland State. It was very much 
the game that I think uh, Heather Dyke thought it would be as far as Portland State coming down. They were a tough opponent. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast about Portland State. Um, so the Lobos managed to get on the score line. Uh, uh, Natalie Gagne um, knocks in across from Carly Mays on a corner kick, more or less. And uh, the Lobos had this lead, and it was literally um, not one that lasted very long as Portland was obviously knocking on the door. This was a match that went back and forth, too, because um, Portland State definitely had their opportunities. Um, but like a minute later, literally, uh, Ellie Fraser of Portland State uh, scored, and they were ultimately tied the game. So it was 1-1 one, one, one at this point. Uh, the Lobos outshot the Vikings 18-9 to nine in the game um, and obviously, you know, had a corner kick advantage of 7-1. to one. This was kind of an improvement for the Lobos because they really were trying to stop conceding corner kicks, right, giving their opponents uh, prime, prime real estate uh, in their defensive third. And um, so you see that improvement with that 7-1 to one advantage. Now, obviously, the Lobos were trying to get it done and find – that win um, really the way this game wraps up though, is in the final seconds, uh, the uh, Portland, I believe they had like a set kick or set piece um, not too far out from the goal. They take it. And ultimately it is just like a point where everyone's just kicking something, right? Everyone's kicking the ball. Everyone's trying to get that ball across the line the clock has already expired. Like it's on triple zeros for at least like five seconds. And at some point the ball goes in, right? Lobos are at this point, they've stopped fighting because they know the game's over. Um, but Portland thinks they won. And for a minute, like it, the, the reps were like giving them the dub too. They were like saying, Oh, it's two, one, you know, they were putting their hands up for it and you know, making the sign of the X. And, uh, and that's how it looked like it was going to be for a minute. And I mean, obviously, as like things like un, un, uh, unravel, you know, it was like decided, no, the clock had expired. This was a 1-1 draw, and that's how it ended. But absolute scenes at uh, UNM Soccer Complex as far as like what that might have looked like if somehow the dub was awarded to Portland State when clearly the game was already over. I have a big, I have a big quarrel with the, because <laughs> okay, it's very. I, I'm, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm more than positive that it is like hockey. It, it doesn't matter if the the ball is in the air; it has to have crossed the line completely by the time the clock hits zero. So, um, right, yeah, it, it exactly. It, it's, it was just crazy. It is, is what it is. It was crazy. Yeah. It was really. I was like, oh. Sh- did, wait, did they win, or did they? Are you? Are we giving it to them? Because I, I and I was telling you earlier too. Remember, I remember talking about after the Portland result for the Aggies, and I was like, that I tweeted out Aggies uh, greater, greater than, than the Lo- greater than the Lobos because uh, because of the results. Because um, we were laughing and joking about these are the games because Portland goes to UNM first and then travels down south to go play the Aggies. So, right. Well, and so Portland, uns or. You you would say unsuccessful for trying to get their first first road win in a while, right? Because, I mean, they got a draw, they got a point on the road, right? I mean, for what it matters, but 
obviously New Mexico State like said, nah, you you're not going back with the dub. No. And and that 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 I wonder if that tells you did you have two different game plans or did you have the same idea that you wanted to run against both New Mexico teams? Or um did you put more into the UNM game than you expected? Were you expecting to go into UNM and absolutely get shelled or and then like come out fighting right we went what 70 was it 73 minutes 73 minutes yeah. uh-huh. something like that um before before unm scores and then you're sitting there selling like oh well we're still in this game so like why not right like why not us and so uh, i don't know i don't know if that comes down to a game plan thing or if truly the aggies are just the better team this year mm. I mean, he's 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 making a hot here, man. I, 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 I make the hot takes. They said uh, they were the better team. That sounds familiar. <laughs> um, and then we'll also see when the Aggies, because uh, the Aggies will play Grand Canyon twice, one at home and one in away, because oh, Grand true. Canyon is a whack team. Um, so um, I guess we'll have to wait and see for those results. Um, I, I I won't lie, that Grand Canyon result kind of shocked me. I thought the Lobos were going to come out away with that one. Yes, getting into that. So, like, Grand Canyon gets the 2-1 victory over the Lobos. Yeah, this was interesting, too. I mean, like, you know, when this one wraps up, you know, and and, uh, I know, Veronica, I know you saw this one, too, right? Like, so this one was interesting because, I mean, coming into this match, I think Heather, Coach Heather Dyke is definitely experimenting with her lineups, right? She has to. I mean, she's got certain returners. She's got certain players that obviously she wants to – you know, see if, you know, they're going to be able to, like, you know, be key contributors, um, I believe, in the Grand Canyon game um, for the starters. I believe I need to go back to this lineup real quick because uh, it was definitely a little different than they normally are. Uh, let's see here. Uh, of course... Twitter is probably just ran down by everyone who's super upset about the Open Cup match. Um, so going to the starting lineup that they put in uh, for the Grand Canyon match, they had, of course, they had Jalen Hendren in. I, she, they've been definitely subbing. They've been switching her in and out of the lineup a little bit. Um, but she was in. Leilani Baker was in. Uh, Paige Satterley. Of course, you had Natalie Degagni, Sophia Roberts was in, um, Maya Isaias, Bryn Boink, Zaria Catasigua was in, which was good to see her in because she hadn't been starting. So um, they definitely have her in the lineup, Jaden Edwards, of course, and then Carly Mays. And so that was what rounded out the lineup. And uh, that's my parent. My dad somehow, I guess, making FaceTime calls on accident was kind of funny. (laughs) He doesn't know. He doesn't know what he's doing. But um, <laughs> I'm like, it's oh, funny. Um, but like, no. So like, th- she's definitely experimenting with the lineups a little bit. Like, I look at that one, and then even go just back to the the one against Portland State, and it's like, you know, she had Paris Dalton starting. Um, Paris Dalton had a little bit more ball control, a little bit more um, defensive like skill sets, um, but also like. She also had Sakura Yoshida in there, um, which we've been watching 
we've been watching her a little bit because she just kind of brings a little bit more feist, a little bit more energy uh, to the lineup. And of course, McKenna Habner was in there. So I think um, for the most part, like Coach Heather Dyke is definitely experimenting a little bit with her two lineups a little bit. Certain players obviously being interchanged. She's trying to figure out like, like, you know, the ideal 11, or maybe she's just getting them time, right? Because it's so early in the season uh, for the most part. Um, but I just want to say like, Watching this match for me, like going in early, the Lobo the Lobos took a early like um, they were trailing early, is what I should say. The Lopes took a one 0 lead in the fourteenth minute, um, and I was just like, man, like this is so unlike the Lobo team that I've watched previous years, right? They literally like scoring like usually in the first five minutes or so, so mm-hmm. it's definitely different. Jaden Edwards scored her fifth goal in this game, right? And so yes, currently Jaden Edwards still is kind of taking names, right, like mm-hmm. in these matches. Um, but also to say I believe the thing that we're still wondering is who else besides, you know, of course we know Leilani Baker and Natalie's got a goal as well, but like who else, you know, is going to get on the score sheet here soon, right? Who, Like they will have to like really – um develop out like other scorers or other contributors because currently like i said everything is just so based on what Jaden's done and you know and, and they need more than that i mean patrick your your thoughts about um the lobos still trying to find their identity early in these games uh what, what are you thinking uh you know i think you put it into the best words is that um you are really just trying to find out what's going to work for you when you get get to Mountain West, right? When you get to these when to these games that are going to be a little bit tougher, a little bit stronger, um, at really finding out who's going to put more goals. Like, um, are you really going to rely on Leilani Baker to score 75 80% of your goals during the Mountain West, or is it going to be um somebody else that not kind of needs to step up and um there's there's no fault to that i don't think that you can really fault anybody for for that but um i think for for college soccer it's a little bit different because everybody's really trying to really step into that spot so um i don't know i think going forward unm's got a couple of good games coming up for them to really test that out and test the waters and um, maybe fiddle around with formation too and see what works best by the time you get to Mountain West. Um, so. Yeah, and then interesting thing, um, this match seemed kind of like Jekyll and Hyde a little bit because, I mean, Lobos were out shooting the Vikings 18-9, to but then in this game, like, they were being outshot 18-10, to right? So, and the corner kick advantage went to the Lopes, like 9-4. to So it was almost like what they had done in the Portland game coming out, really wanting to control that game. And for the most part, kind of having it won right before the lead slips in this game, it was like, it was just like a flip reverse of that. When they went down, they eventually would find a goal through Jaden. And then of course, man, like it, it was tied up and you know, who was going to find the, the go ahead. Right. Uh, Veronica, did you find you, you had a chance to find your notes? 
Yeah, but you guys kind of said half of it. <laughs> oh, talk about, I was going to talk about that goal. <laughs> oh man, but you can still talk. You can still talk about the goal. How was the goal scored? I mean, what, what, was, what was your reaction to the goal that Jaden Edwards scored? Well, I mean, it was what did they say? It was like a thirty-five yards. Yeah, a thirty. Um, what thirty-five yards away from the actual goal net? So she kind of like, uh, you know, she. Was it a penalty? I think it was a set. set yeah, free. yeah. She had a free kick. She let that fly. <laughs> yeah, she. So she like pretty much like volleyed it over everybody, and then like dropped it right right into the 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 goal. And so after that, like you know, you kind of said like, oh, here we go. Now now they're gonna come shooting these these like goals, and unfortunately they they couldn't do that. And you know, but I think it's also because they're. Um, I think Heather also kind of said that they were more like there's a lot of new faces on the team and they're all kind of like trying to find you know where they would all fit into the rotation and what rotation is going to work better for them and um i think they kind of talked a little bit about you know going into conferences and stuff like that about kind of just getting ready to find like what formula will work better for them going into that given given all the new um people that are you know and we kind of said that with uh, like New Mexico State's defense, right? So it's just about which personnel is going to be able, and at what point are you going to find find that personnel that works out for you? And I don't think uh, I think that's a good issue to have for Heather right now, right? You, like having all those new faces, uh, because like that Grand Canyon team is very experienced. Uh, I think they. Only lost a few pieces from the year before. I I try not to follow Grand Canyon too much either, <laughs> but um, uh, but uh, they're a pretty experienced team. That's a, it's that Grand Canyon women's soccer program is is a, is a tough program to play against, and so um, I thought after that goal for Jaden Edwards, I was like, okay, cool, you get out of there with a draw, call it a day. Because it was to me, it felt a little rough that they gave a lot, gave up mm -hmm. a lot of the set pieces and um, the exact opposite, like you said, of what you wanted to do. What you wanted to do against Portland State, you did. You didn't. You limited the set pieces. You got the you outmatched them on corners and on fouls, and then the exact opposite happened against Grand Canyon, and it felt like you just kind of slipped from that. Yeah. Well, and also like. Grand Canyon had a chance to obviously watch that tape against Portland, right? To figure mm -hmm. out who were the key key factors. I mean, I thought Grand Canyon did they did a good job kind of trying to take away a little bit of what what what, you know, forwards like Leilani Baker could do, right? Or um like I said, even what Jaden Edwards could do. I mean, they definitely made it a little harder and so for her, like I said, to just drain that screamer from 35 out is like just remarkable considering that Grand Canyon had kind of figured out what to do to kind of keep them away from certain things. And and this is where you do see Heather really kind of flex and shift in some of the newer faces, right? Because at this point, like these some of these players hadn't been on tape, so they got some they got some skills that, you know, start to kind of show up in these these games. So um yeah, like you said, good good problem for Heather to have. I mean she's gonna build um, on it and so we'll just keep watching the Lobos because I mean there's still some things they got to figure out uh, Lobos will conclude their non-conference schedule 
um, uh, with a two-game road trip this week, actually. Um, UNM will play at UC San Diego, and they'll play at UC Riverside on Sunday, Veronica. So you might mm-hmm. get to see the Lobos in person. Um, yeah, I plan, on, I plan on hitting that that um that ucr yeah well, let me know that if you, match, yeah that mm-hmm. that would be awesome if you can hit mm-hmm. that one um so hey let's jump into our next uh next school up so let's talk about new mexico highlands uh university now uh, they had two games last week uh they had a match against lubbock christian which we'll kind of talk about now and then of course the last match we'll talk about is our featured match uh, of the week, which was the game between Eastern and New Mexico Highlands. Um, so just kind of, I didn't get to really dive too much into the Love of Christian match that one was happening, I think, during a time when I was unavailable. But just going back and looking at some of the stats and, you know, knowing what we know about New Mexico Highlands as we've kind of talked a little offline, um, the Love of Christian game just seemed like it got out of control fast. Um First three goals getting scored pretty much in the first 10 minutes, more or less, uh, or 10, 10 to 15 minutes. Um, to me, like, that's a lot to come back from. And knowing what New Mexico Highlands does, right, with um, setting setting the high, high, high trap that they normally would do, you know, I mean, this one to me was interesting. I mean, reading some of the write-up, obviously they said that, you know, first 10 minutes was a little little – hard to overcome but the other 80 minutes was like where the game kind of set in you didn't really see lovett christian score the final two goals of the five nil win that they had until the 74th minute 77th respectively so somewhere in between there obviously a very defensive effort right for new mexico highlands cowgirls um some things that were notable 13 saves for um, um isabel Isabella Ortiz, the goalie for uh, New Mexico Highlands, but one player did get a hat trick, so that was kind of—I'm sure—that is always just like deflating um, if you're if you're defending against that. Uh, Patrick, you got any thoughts about that? Love it, Christian. Did you get a chance to see that, or just what are your general thoughts about that? I got result? to watch. I got to watch about the first half, um, and uh, I thought that they oh that first that first fifteen minutes it looked like it was going to be kind of ugly for a whole game and um i think like they said in the mock-up they started to settle in a little bit more um they still played the high line but i think that they figured out that the i think the thing that kind of truly messed them up i don't know if they weren't prepared for lubbock speed because they got some some quick off the quick off the ball runs is what really kind of hurt them a little bit so um i think they got kind of used to that as they got into the middle of the game but uh i think like Lubbock still controlled that that point of the midfield, and it didn't seem like Highlands could uh, get anything attacking going again, just like how we saw in the other two games. Um, and uh, it's hard when you can't get things done like that. Right. So, you know, so then Highlands bounces back, right? We anticipated this game on the last episode, um, Eastern New Mexico comes to town. Um, this one was actually very entertaining to watch, I have to say. Um, of course, the result we know, Eastern New Mexico wins 2-0, but that two two goals did not come as easy, maybe, 
I wouldn't say I shouldn't say as easy, but as fast or as what? What? How would you frame that? Like, it just to me, it just seemed like those two goals didn't come as easy as me. Yeah, they, yeah, they had to. They really had to work for them. I, I don't know if it did, also didn't seem like Eastern had prepared to play against the high line because uh, they were. You could tell they weren't getting called off sides a ton, but you could tell that they were their runners were having to recheck runs uh, because they were just kind of in a bad spot. I mean, and, the, so. like, you, look, we got to give a shout out and probably like some kudos to uh, to Highlands because man, they set that that offside trap so high, like literally every time Eastern New Mexico came through. Boom, offside, boom, offside. Like so many opportunities earlier on were thwarted by the fact that Highlands literally had this trap in effect. And I don't, I honestly don't think that I, Eastern planned for it. Like I yeah. just, but which is, uh, which is weird to me because if you go watch the, the other, the last three, right? Even just against Lubbock, you look at these games where they're setting a high line and, and trying to play that trap um, based on whatever whatever the idea is on that. But uh, it just seemed like Eastern was like, okay, we saw the results from those other games. We're going to get ourselves something here. And then um, Highlands put – this. we both said this off, 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 uh, offline, right, is that this was the best game that Highlands has played so far. And – um, I think they really need to take a note and double check this film and say, okay, this is what we did right, and really focus on what they did right this time and not what they did wrong. Right. Yeah, they definitely got to study like the fact and not the counterfeit because like the reality is they did they did well against Eastern and we we we've been talking about Eastern right like Eastern is very physical they have players that can cover like wide angles of the pitch. Um, they just got fighting them. Right. And I, I did at times think that the teams were maybe slightly equal with maybe a little bit going to Eastern just because of the results. But I mean, honestly, like what did Eastern have to do to get on the board? They had to literally huff it claw it out and i'm gonna slightly disagree with you i think highlands had a good i think they had the the advantage for a good majority of the game they out so? yeah they out they outshot i think eastern had the better opportunities to score but i think highlands had the more opportunities and i think it was more on who was going to capitalize it was going to be of who's going to score first and whoever scores first is gonna is probably going to walk away with this win but i thought highlands did a good job in the midfield and compared to what they had been doing. And I think they really got the game plan down for Eastern and they had, they outshot them. I think it was like 10 to four at one point Yeah, in the, it was... in, the in the first half. And they had the, half of those shots were on target. And so, um, you know, just at some point you tell, you tell your players like, Hey, we're, we're, we're out shooting them. You just, keep putting your foot through the ball and at one point one of these is going to go through and we're going to high five and clap and celebrate it. I think the thing that made the difference too, and I mean, I definitely validate your point. Like um, 
Cowgirls took more shots, but they were definitely shooting from outside the box. Oh, so yeah. I think that's what made a little bit of the difference because Eastern was getting inside the box only because there was a lot of crosses, if you will, being sent out up front, right? So then it was just about a speed race. And I mean, I think I think Ortiz did a good job, right? She had to make some hard decisions. When you have two players crashing the box and there's the ball out there right around the 18, like she's got to go for it, right? And so one time she went for it and she didn't obviously stop it, right? The goal, The ball went in, whereas the other times that she did go for it, like she was able to make the stop, right? But and, I, and she made good decisions. I thought she made great decisions on right. like when to come out and when to just kind of okay, not get stuck in no man's land, uh, and have something happen to you. I also think that the high line really helped them out, um, oh, yeah. in the sense that uh, a lot of the balls that got played in weren't directly in the middle, like how we saw against Christian Lubbock. Uh, Christian right. Lubbock got a lot of their opportunities. Um, down the down Main Street of the field, and all it is is right more goal to look at, more goals, more goal to score on, right? And so, well, it's like Shamanad, like Shamanad yeah. was able to bank on that last third, like right. they just couldn't get, they weren't able to advance much through the middle because of all the turnovers that were happening there. But once they got to that final third, they were able to do some damage, but. That is where Highlands, in this case, did learn from that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of those passes that came over the top or, or they tried to play that through ball were away from a position that was threatening. It was still threatening because it's a through ball, right? But not as threatening of down the middle of, of a harder decision to make. If you're Ortiz, it's a little bit easier to cut your angle on some of those decisions and you know, and I think they paid out for them. At least in the first half, I think Highlands did a good job uh, of controlling this game. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty 50-50 besides the two goals. Yeah. And, and that first goal, I think, is super unlucky because it's on a counter. Highlands look like they're threatening to score, and then, oof, and then it's just a counter in the opposite direction. And then that's the one that it takes, and then that's how it goes. That's all she yeah. wrote, right? That's true. That's true. Well, we definitely can say that Highlands has come a long way since the exhibition against New Mexico State. That just wasn't oh, yeah. fair. Um, oh, yeah. That was... Just not fair, dude. <laughs> that was... Um, we actually went to that game, and so... <laughs> what? It's, it's hard, I think, for a lot of players, especially... Uh, I think this is Contreras' second season or third season with Highlands, so... Um, still trying to establish that culture of, or um, ideology that she has planned for the program, and I mean, and they, they got players you can get to buy in. So yeah, she's got, got a lot of homegrown talent. So I think that's what's nice. She's got uh, I want to say six or seven players from New Mexico okay. alone. So uh, one of my very own, and then um, one from Centennial from in the Cruces area, and then she's got a. The rest are, I think, I believe one is from Socorro and then the other two are from Albuquerque. Okay. So uh, she's got a good spread around the program. And I think this is, like we said, this is one of those games that you look at it and you go, this is what we did right. This is what we're going to do right next time. Yeah, man, I'm going to have to try to get up to Las Vegas for one of those games too. I might have to, might have to hit up Fred Slow, who's the director of communications, and uh, be like, hey, guy, like, 
can I sleep on your couch over there or whatever? Because <laughs> uh, I think I might have to drive. I think I think that's the same really for all these other teams. I might have to try to get to Crucis somehow for a match. I might have to be hitting you up for your couch, Patrick. And uh, it's a pull-out couch, so anytime you want. <laughs> okay, okay. Hey, I'll take it, man. And then, uh, then obviously Eastern and um, and uh, yeah, I think that's and that's just really it. Um, so Eastern New Mexico. I know we didn't. I didn't say this, so I'm going to say this. Uh, they got uh, Fort Lewis on the 8th of Thursday and then MSU Denver on the 11th. And, of course, uh, Highlands has Northwestern Oklahoma State on the 11th for their next match. So um, that's going to do it for us for um, for this week's edition of the Enchanted 11. Um, if you're listening to this, let us know what you thought about this coverage. Let us know what you want to hear. Um, we're definitely trying to get coaches and players on the show once we have things established with it. So we're certainly going to have a mailbag for you listeners. Any questions you have, we'll definitely be trying to get those questions answered and get those people on the pod that you want to hear. Uh, so we're going to hit a break real quick. And then when we get back, we're going to jump into the weekly and talk about New Mexico United's latest match against Darby rival El Paso locomotive after this break. I love the chase and the hunt, and I set the pace when I'm running. I always take what I want, and I always give it 100. Don't need a bank, no, I'm funded. Play the game like it's nothing. I'm always thankful for something. Don't take for granted, stay humble. Now wake up! It's time to look at the enemy Look in the mirror if he is no friend to me It's not working out, maybe it's the chemistry It's time to break up so I can make a better me Better believe in your mind cause it's everything You can mold shape, find almost anything All it takes is some time and some clarity To find your identity, it's mind over everything And we're back from the break. Now we're going to get into this edition of the weekly. This is our New Mexico United coverage. And uh, so over, or so last Friday, uh, New Mexico United played against Derby rival for the team from the South, as we call them, the trains, um, whatever you want to call them, El Chucos, El Paso locomotive, right? And so this was the Derby del Camino Real, or as I'd like to call it, the Derby del Camino unreal because this was one for the ages. Uh, I had it wrong last episode. I thought it was the 13th installment. It must be 13 if you count the postseason. So uh, this was the 12th regular season uh, installment of this Derby between the two teams. And my initial reaction just to the match was, Wow, like this this one's gonna be this this gonna set off. Like, and of course I was still going into that with thinking it was the 13th installment, and I was like, this is gonna tip the scales, right? But I gotta say, like the stadium at about ten thousand folks, I I was probably expecting more in attendance for this uh rivalry. Um, so that for me was like mm, I think we could have had more people. I would probably rate attendance at an eight just because I think this is a match you've got to be there for. Um, but just the overall, like, the overall, like, match play, 
uh, before we get into the actual details, like just looking at the whole thing and how it was, the fills were there. Um, the team, it was like, my thought was, who was this United? Where has this United been? Like, the boys are lethal, and don't let the boys get hot. Were all the thoughts running through my mind on this match? This one was like amazing, and so the result wasn't amazing. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta say, this one definitely I would rate this match like ten of ten, um, just because. I felt like we came with something in this match and and that made it all the better considering previous matches against good teams and I didn't feel like we brought our best. So that that's where my initial thoughts are. What were your initial thoughts watching the match from where you were watching it from? Um I'm with you. I was like, "Oh, where where has this team been for the last three matches, two, three matches? Like, uh, this, if this team comes out against uh, Colorado, that we win that game. Like, I, just, I just, that's what I felt like. Uh, I still think that we should have won this game, but um, the result is what it is. And uh, this needs to be the mindset going forward for the rest for the last uh, five or six that you need to make sure that you're you're picking up results and that 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 tenacity and that mindset needs to be going into rgv and then into loyal right like you need to take that mindset or i mean or we'll see yeah, I, I'm going to say, like, I agree. Like, when I um, – they just they just played, like um, – what was that season 20, <laughs> 2020? Was that that one season where they were oh, just kind of, like, always coming out on – you know, it reminded me of that. It kind of took me back to, to those times. The, the Kings of Chaos times. Kings yes. of Chaos times, yep. So, um, obviously not the outcome that we wanted, um, but they were so – on it that it was just i i didn't see that we were not going to take this one yeah the uh yeah this one like it was definitely it was god just one for the ages so like breaking into our coverage a little bit i just want to kind of put some numbers out for us i as i did a rewatch i started to kind of really look at these numbers and how i thought that they played a part in the story so i mean obviously through through that night through that match result, we've played 28 games. Okay. We have a record of 11, 8, 11, 8, 9, 8 draws. Um, we've won 39% of our games, but don't get it twisted. We also got points from the draws too. Uh, streaks, uh, we're currently on a losing, losing streak of two games. So that's that's kind of rough. Like we definitely need to change that. Um, we've scored, scored 39 goals. Um, 34 of those goals have been inside the box. This is very This is a very key point for this review, I think. Uh, five goals were scored outside the box. We've conceded 31 goals. Um, currently sitting in fifth place. Our max points we can get is 60 points. Um, of course, the next team who would have been there with us is El Paso in, in sixth place now 
they did play tonight and lost two nil. So I think their max points, I believe, is down to fifty five points. I believe, um, as far as what they can get. So that gives us a little distance. Not to mention we have two games in hand um, to El Paso, so we might be slightly a little bit safe if we can do what we need to do. Um, playoffs currently, we're still in control um, of our of our destiny, which is great. Um, so I wanna I wanna um, I want to like break in on this match review, right? Let's talk about the good, right? And before we can do that, or yeah, let's do that. So what like i kind of started it off right i said like this was like a different united um some things i think and we can discuss these things um as maybe you also felt or other things you want to bring to the table this united very high energy very high energy um lots of chances created uh first 20 minutes of match play was unreal like probably like more than any other matches we have seen um and the top four moreno we had freighter and preston i mean mm -hmm. god they they brought it. it it was they were lethal so let's kind of jump in a little bit let's talk about the good uh what things did you uh like along those lines maybe some things i didn't mention uh, and want to bring up I mean, I grew up really like that, that, um, Kavan, sorry, yeah, the freighter, <laughs> the freighter Armando, like, um, that little team right there that, that, uh, you know, we, you know, they, they did score on us first and that was, that was a little heartbreaking. And then, but then we got him back, like, I think was it like two minutes, three minutes later, um, with, the uh, freighter and Amando assisting on that. And uh, they just like, they, they kept, they kept trying, well, they kept trying to score more goals off of that, off of that little team right there. And I think, you know, with a little more precision and stuff like that, like they can be pre a pretty lethal like combination. So I totally enjoyed seeing that, that little pack right there, kind of like attacking, attacking to get, try to get those goals in, but you know, I just think a little more work on that and position can, you know, it can it can be deadly. It's it's pretty it was pretty entertaining to watch the chances that they they created, um, you know. So yeah, that's. I I really liked the uh, I really liked the energy. I think that was probably our best point. And I um, one person that's not on here. I like the top half of the what we have the Moreno that we handle the freighter the Preston like I thought they worked really well and then and like Veronica said like it felt very 2020-esque right very right. high energy oh these guys are going to score on a moment's notice and that's what it felt like um but the unsung hero that I have from this game I'm gonna always butcher his name because I Ovuka Ovuka yeah yeah uh I thought he played out of his mind yeah. He had a fantastic game, and it's one of those stats, like you were saying, Chris, that like we didn't take. That's where we wish you had some of those uh, defensive stats put up and like chances created. Like, how much are we really tracking those? Because he, I thought, especially in the second half when we were kind of like, okay, we need to get back into this game and really start taking over. He created a lot of the chances for 
for our midfield, right? He showed a little bit of skill and a little bit of um, swagger, and that's, I don't know, I, that's that's something that I like to see. I thought he was kind of one of those unsung heroes. He balled out, man. Like, yeah. Raddy, Raddy balled out. I will definitely agree with you on that. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, like, I think I think folks really only look at the result and go, oh well, there were just two balls scored from that side of the pitch, right? Like from from uh, what what Zach Prince would call, and I need to get you all the the diagram so I know y'all be like, oh what what? But this is like Zach Prince would call the the mid high, the high the, the high to mid high. So if you will, it's like basically the the wide channel on the right side, right? It's the mm -hmm. wide channel and also the lane that's like literally like right outside the six yard box. So like, mm -hmm. if you imagine like the pitch and fifths going vertically, essentially like the two lanes that were hit the most were like the half space and like the the wide channel. Um, and this was in the the last um, the last half of the of the pitch, right? So obviously just outside the eighteen that's where the area was that things were happening. And so um, saying that and saying that, you know, folks were only focused on, oh, okay, well, Seleniak or Zacharias was, they, they start, they created a square ball or in Seleniak's situation, he just got the ball on like a half volley, right? And just teed it up for himself. But it's like, where he was on the pitch and what was happening are so different. And when I watched it on the rewatch, like the good part about, so in this section of like the good, as far as Ratty's concerned, one, we needed some shots from outside the box. Like the thing, the thing that we'll get into in the bad is the offside traps, right? And how well El Paso executed it. But we needed some box from outside. The, we needed some shots from outside the box we don't take enough. Look, I read this, the stat earlier, right before we started this, right? Like 34 goals scored inside the box, five scored from outside the box. That is a big difference in like shot selection. Like there aren't enough guys on the team just letting it fly from outside the box. And that is why sometimes I think the United game feels so like one dimensional because we're always trying to get that extra pass that Patrick you've talked about on previous episodes, like dudes are trying to square up or trying to, you know, like they get the ball like on the corner of like the 18 or inside, like just outside the six, they feel like they got to like, you know, boom, dribble over to get the center. So they have max view. And it's like, dude, like, like to shoot. Yeah, like you, you are you are taking too much time. You are taking too much time. Like, like the ball is outside the eighteen. They're not stepping to you because what they know that all your shots are inside the eighteen. Simple as that, right? Ratty comes up, boom! Like just laser. Like I would have loved to see that thing hit the underside of the post and go inside. Because oh, yeah. from where I was standing, which is right behind or right to the left or to the right of the goal, that ball came through fast and it had mm -hmm. some lift on it. Like if he just had a little bit of like top spin or something, like, you know, like that thing would have went in. And a lot of the balls for that matter, for that point, were that the good thing, Kalen Ryden returned the okay. golden helmet, right? Like 
Kalen, I mean, with all respect, like when he first came to the team, he was what we all knew, the brick shit house, right? He was the golden helmet. He was like just what I like. I refer to him as like the violent gentleman. Like I, you know, <laughs> you know, he just was so hardcore. And for the most part, that was that was what he maintained. But some of the season has been like, man, Kalen's been kind of in and out, in and out, you know? And I don't know if that is because he's got to spend more time kind of instructing dudes to be places. Because if you think about it, Seymour has been playing center back, right, a little bit, and other dudes have been in the back line. So Kalen Ryden has had to be a little bit more instructional, and he's had to kind of watch a few more spaces than he normally would, right? And um, and so he hasn't been able to really ball out, but – Kalen Ryden balled out on this match. Like he came in, like he was about to like dunk like above the rim on that header that he tried to get. And so I'm just saying like that was a good thing to see Ryden return, right? To bring this energy back up, right? Like you said, Ratty, letting him loose from from out far. That was great. Let's talk about this. Mondo Moreno comes back from being out forever, right? We've seen him mm-hmm. gain a little bit more time each time he played. How good did Amando Moreno look in this match, guys? Uh, for me, yeah. uh, he looked good. Not great. Not not what we're used to, but good. I think mm-hmm. he's right in that spot. I kind of wish, I think everybody kind of wishes that he would have been, because it doesn't seem like he's fully still fully 100%, but high 90s, mid 90s, ready, still ready to play, but you know that that five percent difference in your body and how you feel and how you play is is a big difference. So he looked, hung, I, he looked hungry though, he right? Looked, he, yeah, looked, he, he looked like uh, uh, I think they all. I, I would say that all of the United uh, crew said, "All right, like I like like we were saying last week is that this isn't a this isn't a panic situation, but this is El Paso, and we need to." We need to ball out, and so I thought everybody, for the most part, really balled out and had played a great game. It's just sometimes soccer is stupid, and <laughs> and that's why they call it the beautiful game, right? Like, right, yeah. I mean, what? I was reading somewhere that it takes about what a year to a year and a half to recover from an AC um, injury, and he he hasn't been gone a year. Um, not even a year, I don't think, right? Like, what, 10 months? Yeah, I think it was a... So I think think mentally he's ready and he's hungry, but I think that physically he's going to need, you know, just a little bit more time to get back to to what we're used to seeing of him. Uh, Yeah, I think you can put that in there. Is that sometimes those, like, we look at those, like, at the, um, like, in the NFL when you have a knee injury, right? It's it's, Mm -hmm. sometimes you're scared to get hit, right? And so... Sometimes that plays that sometimes that plays a role, but like you said, Chris, I think he was hungry and he wanted some. You could even tell that he was into that game, and I think that was the emotional kind of leadership that he brings in there. Because he, let's be honest, the dude's a firecracker, right? And so I mean, dude he, flew in with like some with some sliding scissors trying he, to keep a ball he, in the pitch. Like, he, yeah, I don't think he was afraid of injury too much. I think he was like, we gotta we gotta get one. We gotta. Because that's what the game felt like entirely. Um, that as soon as United scored, and I think we all felt that is 
when is United going to score? And then after they score the one, how many more are they going to score after that? Right. And so let's shift into the bad, right? So United have three offsides in calls in 20 minutes. And two of them, obviously, were goal-scoring opportunities right off the bat. And this is where the tone was set, like, whoa, the boys are back, right? Because, I mean, like I said, from inside the stadium, it was like, man, like, Amon Moreno right off the bat, like, or I'm sorry, Weehan off the bat with the goal scoring opportunity. And then, then Moreno. And then it was like, and then you kind of knew a little bit, right? And I didn't, I will say like, initially I didn't think about it, but on the rewatch is where I caught it. And I was like, oh, they're putting the offside trap on. And why? Because United scores in the box. And they were clever because where did the, where did the trap happen? It happened right outside the six every single time. It was literally like right outside the six every single time. And that's where they shorten the field. That's where they shorten the pitch on us, right? Because they're like, well, trap's on, so I don't know how you're going to get across this way. But let's talk about the difference maker. Freighter's goal at 22 was the difference maker with the offside trap on. Why? Because he, they stayed onside, right? Moreno dumped it off, but they stayed onside. And then Freighter had it, and Freighter was heavily covered by uh by fox andrew fox and right he was like literally holding on to him and freighter just said all right box me out as much as you want and then he just boom fired a left left hook right into like a very hard part of the goal and if you think about it firing that like he turned around and kicked that like with his left and it went the far angle of the goal and managed to hit the post and roll in that was like a very difficult shot probably to be making that's a it's a it's a it's a very hard angle to hit from and but that's but that was one of the ones right where we're looking at like mm, we should have scored earlier right right if we if we score earlier that one's probably a nail in a coffin if he scores that one after we've already scored one that's a nail in the coffin like right yeah and so that's that that that's the crazy thing. And I, I was trying to think about this. I was like, well, um we got that many offside calls. Like, how much of this is on United to be like, okay, like look, like to, to recognize that okay, they know we score. Like did did Zach think about this? Like, where are all our goals inside the box? Like, so this offside trap is on hey, we need to change up our selection, take some shots from outside. Like, I mean, clearly, like, the United of old has always taken high percentage shots. They've always passed it around four times. They've always made sure they've had the most net available before they've taken shots. But, I mean, like, this thing kind of cost them in this situation because, um, you know, they couldn't get inside the box. And, of course, they're not one that takes shots from the outside, except for Ratty, who let a few fly, you know. And I think that made the difference. And, um you know, that, that to me is like, that's one thing that was bad for us was the fact that uh, we were so limited in shot selection. Another thing that I would point out too is United didn't seem to stick to the game plan. I mean, uh, based on uh, tactics with Zach that I attended the day before, he was talking about um, playing the wider ends of the pitch and also keeping El Paso from swinging the ball from left to right. Like if they had it on the left side, they were trying to step in and keep them from shifting it around, but they couldn't stop that 
uh, for too long. El Paso loved to find the wide channels, and that's what led to uh, Solignac's goal in 18, right? At 18, which was uh, they swung the ball around to Zacharias. Zacharias was able to uh, put the put the ball on a dime, right, for for Solignac. And then, of course, you know, he came in and kicked it in, right, and tried to slide in to stop it. But, you know, you know, like, woe is me. But, like, I mean, who do you put that goal on? Because, I mean, the, the opinions of the nation are like, oh, well, that goal – came in on ratty that was ratty's bad like and i'm like and i looked at that twice and i was like well okay look i understand that ratty should have marked zacharias and he lost him a little bit and zacharias got in and sent the square ball over but i mean clearly Ryden didn't have his guy and his guy was clearly in a position to make the kick so i mean like i said like that was just my my thought i was like "Mm, i think that one was kind of on Ryden. i wouldn't put that on ratty personally but what, what are your thoughts Hey, if you're asking me, I think that's an everybody problem. The, oh, that, yeah. that, that one's an everybody in the back line problem. Okay, okay. Because to me, that's a shift. Right. And if you're not shifting or recognizing that you – like if that's already in the game plan, and we should know that's already – like Zach already said that was in the game plan. Don't let them move the ball from one side to the other. So naturally that should be a shift that should be a shift like let's move and let's go mark how we're supposed to shift and so that's everybody not shifting to me okay so then along those lines then let's take that to the 70 70 seleniac gets his second goal Mm -hmm. this one was interesting because el paso had broken loose right the the uh the prisoner had escaped the jail we'll say right and essentially they had the, the pitch was was theirs to play with. There were wide spaces. Ida Borelli sends a cross over to a Louis Seliniak who is making a run on the far side of the pitch in that same channel that we talked about. He's literally kind of like waning off the picture. Ratty is seen kind of keeping up with Liam Garcia, who came in later in the second half, right? But he's kind of marking that guy a little bit. But Selenyak has gotten over to Ratty's right, far right side, and Kalen Ryden obviously coming down. But you know who Ryden would have ideally picked up Garcia, right? But Ryden can't really get to Selenyak, and Ratty doesn't know which way he should go. So Selenyak gets the ball, chested down, kicks it in, same spot. I mean, so again, we can. I would definitely agree with you about the shift there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just such a hard goal to see. It was beautiful, but it was hard to watch because you realize what happened in that moment is that Ratty was supposed to probably shift over to cover the wide guy, and it wasn't necessarily about the guy wearing number 18 versus the guy wearing number 17. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, right. No, I agree on that one, yeah. And so I guess that's just the part of the game that has to kind of evolve, right? Like, hey, you're not always going to have the guy you have. Sometimes you got the guy in your zone, and that's where things shift. And so that's that's really all she wrote. But, I mean, one other thing that I, I had put down is, like, I think one thing that was interesting for us was we came out in a 3-4-3, but we shifted to, like, a 4-3-3 and a 4-2-3-1 at times. Mm-hmm. And the ratty shift going from winger to all the way up, right, or sometimes ratty was seen center, center pitch, like he was way up, right, covering his guy or – he was 
like, you know, he wasn't, I wouldn't say he was equally back as much as he was up, right? Mm-hmm. And while he was up, it was good for us, don't get me wrong. But the times that he was also up, El Paso sometimes exploited Cap- that. They capitalized on that opportunity. And yeah. so, yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think for Ratty, that's a learning experience on, on like how we're, how you're going to play moving forward, at least when you're shifting around, especially against a team like El Paso, who likes to move the ball around from one side to the other and not at a slow pace, right? They almost do it with one kick from one side of the field to the other or in one to two seconds, the ball's already on the other side of the pitch. So, pointing out that channel, that more important channel, I think for Zach, you go back and you say, okay, we're going to focus on this channel, right? Because, you know, everybody else is watching that game and saying, okay, we're going to exploit that too. Right, exactly. So let's get on to the ugly, <laughs> right? I think the these whole are, game is always <laughs> ugly. <laughs> right? These are, I think these are like the hot takes. So, I mean, like, let's just say the ugly is like Yuma. Boo Birds came out from like the minute – he touched the ball like mm-hmm. it was it was fun to watch it was fun to be there um yuma and his theatrics i mean <laughs> you know gosh like what could you are, say are we ever gonna get somebody to tell him to stop i don't think so like I mean, are you just ever gonna like because you know what he's doing you know exactly what he's doing 90 80 what 88 minutes in he goes down for the first time with a cramp i mean they should have been you know what he's doing. Like, yeah, honestly, like, <laughs> I don't know. To, to me, like, I get it. Like, it's it's gamesmanship, right? Like, you're just, yeah. you're, you know the importance of picking up your first win in New Mexico. But, like, as a ref, you see it the first time, and then you see him go down a second time. Like, come on, dude. Like, you know exactly what he's doing. Like, right. And then he, he's like, my neck, my back, my back, and my back. <laughs> <laughs> I just think about that, like that me that that meme, like that that movie, like I just that's what I think about my back out of me. Like he like you know, he was just like on the ground so much. It was so crazy to me. And, uh, uh, and my favorite part is he always gets caught in those like he gets hit in the knee and then he's I know it's my face. <laughs> right, 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 right. And then he exactly. gets hit in the face and then he's like, I know it was my toe. Like <laughs> Right. Some some part of his body is always hurting that like didn't even get touched. Uh no, it keeps getting uglier though. I think post match, we didn't really get to see this, but I mean, from what I can make it out, and I guess I didn't even think about this when I was in the stadium, but I guess like some sort of exchange that happened between Zach and, and John Hutchinson. Like it seemed like you know, maybe they went in for the good game handshake or something, and like maybe Zach's. I don't know if Hutch or Zach said something, but like it looked a little heated for a minute. And and in the in the credits, like you even saw like Freighter look like he was about to go after the coach too, and after Hutchinson. And I was like, whoa, like that's good for the rivalry, but yeah. man, like what? Yeah, that that match got kind of heated a couple of times actually. Yeah, I mean, like you know you. Dudes, like, just roll up, you know, and it was crazy. So I, I thought, like, the theatrics, like, it was epic. Like, it's, it's good to be there. It was you, – you you love it. But in my mind, I was like, mm, why can't this be like hockey? Let them go for, like, one minute. Yeah. Like, just let <laughs> them go for a minute because, you know, it could be good, you know. Good for guys. Well, it felt, like, it felt like Zach was – because I felt like Zach was going to get thrown out at one point, right, because mm-hmm. he had already picked up a yellow for, for just – being argumentative 
Oh, the debating was whether that it was the throw-in, right? right? Debating where the throw-in was. The throw-in. Oh, yeah. that is right. That is That's right. Yeah. He, Did we they, ever find out about that one? I, I couldn't see that when I looked on the replay. I just, apparently, apparently, the ref marked well because we were trying to play fast and they called i believe it was freighter that was throwing it in and was freighter kind of taking a little leeway sure but who doesn't take a little leeway but i don't think it was enough for you to blow your whistle and say no you have to come back and do it over again and but i i think i think zach was and then you had the uh penalty that never was right like I'll tell you from the from the broadcast, like it was like, whoa, wait, like why aren't you calling a penalty? Like that's one hundred percent a penalty. Like, and then you go back and you look at the footage, and bees doesn't get touched, like with, with anything with anything menacing worth right. And then at right. home, you're like, at home, I'm still like, well, it still should have been called a penalty, but <laughs> right. Well, right. and that that's the other ugly besides the playoff picture as we think about it is the officiating was horrible and i mean it always is but very anti-united it was very anti-united and uh we know um god we know zach mentioned that on the presser we're gonna have to upload that presser as like a, a a bonus episode or something like just so people could hear the aftermath of that so we'll i'm sure we'll do that uh we'll make it something for y'all listening um so let's Let's wrap this section up. Let's just talk about our man of the match. I, I almost bet I know who we're all going to say, but uh, I'll go to Veronica first. Veronica, who is your man of the match? You know, it. Um, I'm going to say Luca. Okay. I mean, you I, you want to say Freighter, you know, because he, you know, but um, I'm going to say Luca. Okay. What you got, Patrick? I'm going to go with Freighter. Oh, Okay, tell me why. I'm gonna go with Freighter. I thought I, and this is more of uh, him getting into back into the scoring. Right, mm-hmm. finally get a good goal, get a tight angle. I think he did a good job of getting some shots off, kind of dictating some of the play and some of the aggression like that you would like to see in uh, a United game. And uh, if I had to, I'd also say Weehan too. I think Weehan gave us a lot mm-hmm. of good opportunities. So, okay. I definitely felt like it was Radio Vuka um, after watching the match. And the reason why is just because I thought he balled out. I thought mm-hmm. I thought his ability to get around players on in 1v1 situations still bar none to me. Um, I just don't think players know what to do with him. Um, I think that, you know, maybe Zach just has to realize, like, hey, he's not the guy you need to bring back on the wing, you know, because, like, you know, he put put Bruce in, and Bruce is always playing tops. And, you know, sometimes Bruce is playing backline, but it's like, don't do that with him, you know? Maybe put in someone that you want to do that. Maybe you've seen where Ratty needs to be. Maybe he needs to be more of a, you know, I mean, maybe don't make him so much of that player, right? Like, they just need to come up with another solution, maybe have another person drop back. But I think there's promise there. I thought he showed that. And I think, again, like he offered selection from outside the box. And he's going to put in one of those balls in the the net. Like he's going to drain one of those. It's only a matter of time. And we're going to all lose our minds about it. So I'd say Radio Vuka for sure on that. Um, And so wrapping that section up, just to kind of jump in real, our last thing here. 
Uh, this is definitely a banger episode for anyone who's still listening. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> um, but like, we're going to get into obviously our match preview for RGV, uh, kind of like a more abbreviated section. Um, they played El Paso tonight, and uh, for much of the match, it was a nil-nil draw until uh, RGV would open the scoreline uh, first and. It couldn't have come at a better time because, you know, we were just coming down from our Sacramento didn't win Open Cup. And then all of a sudden, RGV picked us back up as the neutral and said, hey, El Paso is going to lose tonight, too. <laughs> and uh, Thanks, RGV. Hey, thanks, RGV. We really appreciate you for that, but not this week. So For, for right now. Yeah, <laughs> we, like, we, like, we like you for like a moment, but not now. So like RGV gets the win 2-0 over El Paso Locomotive. Kind of sets them back down. El Paso sits currently playing 30 games, so their season is nearing the completion of their regular season games. They're sitting at 40 points. United sitting at 42. Um, United has a great opportunity here, guys. I mean, they are sitting with two games in hand over the next team, El Paso. Um, to me, it's a very big six points that they need to pick up in those two games, like they shouldn't come out of those two games still sitting with 42 points. Um, so then the other thing too, to think about is we still have to keep an eye on Sacramento a little bit, right? Because Sacramento is sitting above us in fourth place, 43 points. What did the open cup do for Sacramento? What will Sacramento's next few matches look like? We got to see that. So jumping into this preview, we're playing RGV, okay? Um, we've played them eight times uh, in the entirety of... Uh, let me go to this match real quick. We've played them eight times in the series of playing them. Uh, we've won two, we've lost two, and we've drawn four times. So obviously very evened out. We should remember RGV for what they have obviously cost us last season because... Uh, they obviously won one more game that ultimately put us out of the playoffs. So that being said, this match really matters. We've already played them two times this year. Uh, we drew the first time with them, and then we uh, managed to get the win. Oh, is that correct? Yeah, we, we won the first time, drew the second time. That's right. We won, or we lost the second time. No, I'm looking at this one. No, we, we drew it wrong. No, you're right. We we had them. Sorry, sorry, folks. We had we had them two times within the same week. Is what it was. Yes. We had them July sixth and July 9th. That's true. Yeah. We beat them on the sixth, and then we drew with them on the ninth. We settled the mystery. So this time, RGV has seen us two times. Obviously, they have an idea about what those matches look like, and we'll certainly be prepared for us based on that not to mention they've got tape right yep so going into this match um what like what kind of things are you thinking about like okay we've talked about what united didn't do for like the last couple of weeks so what things are you obviously looking at if you're zach prince uh, winning the game uh, at, at this at this point it just needs I think this is just to go down to basics keep it keep it simple um, and essentially emulate what you did against El Paso bring that passion bring that um, 
bring that a little bit of swagger with you uh, to this one. Uh, especially now knowing that RGV just beat El Paso 2-0. Um, and then taking in all the draws before you're well, gonna have, you're gonna have to really come out firing i think in this one and i really hope that he keeps the same um the same lineup that's that's what i was thinking is mm-hmm. i think you just i think you just go back to what it worked last week it did theoretically last week that was one of the best we've seen in a long time actually mm-hmm. right yeah mm-hmm. so you definitely hope the zach prince keeps the same lineup uh, some things interesting here rgv uh is four two and six at home so their record at home like obviously struggling as well right just like united's kind of does um but that i would think gives a little hope um they only have a total of massing or they don't only have a total point of 36 so i mean um on the road five four and six so at the home four two and six so this gives united a lot of a lot of chance here um Something else to look at for them, um, based on uh, based on Fought Mob as far as what we're looking at here. Top scorer is Frank Lopez with five goals. Christian Penzone uh, uh, with four goals, and of course Emilio uh, Icaza with four goals as well. Um, so hard to really say who's hot for them um, over over this many matches, right? But uh, I would have to say I think we obviously want to keep an eye on Frank Lopez, um, who I think for the most part has always seemed to be kind of a a phantom menace for United. <laughs> Just thinking about some of the times that he scored against us, um, but then also Christian Pinzon. Um, assist wise, uh, we're looking at Cello. Cello's currently got six assists for them, and of course Ricardo Ruiz has got five assists. Um, so we know uh, the type of football that. Uh, cello plays so we know obviously he's familiar with the united system and with you know with some of the players there so obviously i think cello kind of comes into into play a little bit here um some other things for for them um because you know rgv is on the lower end of the table so like it's like when you look at a lot of stats um, you know, there are a lot of things that are interesting. Like they actually do have four shots on target per match. And this is like, this is 18th in a league, right? Uh, is that they sit currently as far as that stat is concerned. Um, they've had 30 big chances. And if you put this against teams like Tampa Bay Rowdies or Louis, Lou City, who've had 61, it kind of optimizes like that, you know, they don't necessarily have a whole lot of chances, and this is over an average, right, of of 30-some games. Or uh, I think maybe for that, maybe it's in the realm of 28, perhaps, I think. Uh, yeah, 27 games. So, like, if that averages out the way it does, they're not really having a lot of chances per game, more or less, right? They've had some times where it was. We know that they just recently played – um las vegas lights and they beat them five nil that's a very surprising result for a team that is sitting uh low on the table so that lets you know that rgv can obviously still bring something and of course beating an el paso team tonight right and losing uh 2-1 to not really the phoenix team we knew um there's still a team to worry about so i think what you guys have both said 
as far as RGV is concerned. I think, uh, or I don't, Veronica, I don't know if you've actually said anything about RGV, but I don't remember that you did. But Patrick, what you've said about RGV, obviously, those are things that, that have to be taken into consideration, right? So Zach definitely has to work on the shift. That's a good point to make. Um, also, um, they got to stick to whatever their game plan is. I mean, United left their game plan somewhere around 70 or 80 minutes because they were in a deficit and, you know, the game was out of hand as far as like what they were trying to pull off. So they got to stick to that game plan. And let's, the one thing we probably didn't talk about in the review that we'll talk about in this preview is, you know, Zach's got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them <laughs> because, you know, he definitely wanted to keep that lineup in for El Paso. I would, it was strong. Right. But mm-hmm. there was a point when he needed to probably make a movement and making a mm-hmm. sub at 73 minutes when, you know, right, right when the second goal came in i know he was like oh we don't need to do anything yet but like he probably yeah. needed to yeah change things up and he's probably thinking sitting there saying well we're controlling a good majority of this game like what's if... he's probably taking the other adage to that of uh, if it's not broke don't fix it right like well, injuries are killing us right now which yeah is the big so... no nico brett no no one to go to the bench i mean we saw the bench, right well. seymour and bruce was all we were going to really be able to bring in yeah so Kind of crazy thoughts. Um, I guess my thoughts really going into this game, if we just jump off of the stats for a minute and just talk about it on the real talk, is like there's just no more like that. We just don't have any more room to be losing any more matches because we're still in control because the teams below us not doing what they need to do. But is that really the way you want to finish out your season? Like, you know, like you got some five or six matches left over and you really just like, Oh, as long as El Paso and Los Dos are losing or Las Vegas lights rather like we're good. Like that's crazy to me. You know, like let's, let's, let's let's shape up boys. Let's get these last wins. Let's, let's get hot before the playoffs. Let's go in and like, let's, let's try to make something happen. You know, it's like losing more matches is simply not an option. Not that it ever should be an option, but I mean, it really, we're really, are, we're down to like, we've, we've pretty much like lost all our chips at this point. And if we don't go in with that attitude of we have to win, um, you know, I, I hope we just don't go down in our, in our placing, you know? All right. So boom, we've, we've talked about it. I mean, I know that this wasn't, we didn't go in and break down RGV like all crazy we're just probably not going to so um you know because it's rgv you know look at fun mob you're good good we <laughs> talked we talked about it um played them enough too yeah. yeah yeah we've got enough film on it we should know yeah exactly so so we've we've, we've talked about it so here, here's our thing let's wrap this up with this okay match predictions what do you got let's hear it what i want what, what I want, it, what I want, is a two-zero. I think what I want is a two-zero. What I think is going to happen is I think we're going to end up with a nil-nil draw. Oh, spice. Okay, what you got, Veronica? Okay, what I, I'll do the same. What I want is a, <laughs> is is a two-to-zero, two. Um, oh, okay. Okay, but <laughs> what's going to happen is. 
man, I, I, I almost called it last time. Um, I'm going to say it's, it's going to be the, it'll be one United to RGB. Oof. She's got us with the loss. Oof. That's crazy. Again. And I, Man. we lost last time too. So. Okay. Ooh, so why did you pick the loss? You guys got all that pressure on me. Um, you guys are pushing P, pushing P here. Um, I would have to say, like, damn, that's hard right there. Well, okay, like, you know, for a moment, like, United was doing really good on the, on the road. It's going to break it down. United was doing good on the road, and those days are kind of blending into the home record, I should say. So I feel like the match is going to be – I'm just going to say it. I think we're, I think we're on a, a, a 3-1 win. I think that's what we're at. Um, okay. I think the same lineup comes out, and I think that the boys have to yeah. overcome the offside trap because that's going to be there. That's for sure. Yeah. That's definitely going to be there. So, um, all right. So, uh, boom, we wrapped it up. So, um, y'all, thanks for joining this episode. Obviously, because you're on the show. But uh, <laughs> uh, for Patrick Baca, Veronica Zavala, myself, Chris Walker, you've been listening to another We Are Seeking Strike podcast. Catch us on the next episode. You've been listening to We Are Seek and Strike podcast, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts and written content at bgn.fm. To never miss new content, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.